0: Luke chapter 3. We've been working our way from the Christmas story, um, and we're now uh, in Luke chapter 3. Um, but last week, if you can cast your minds back, or uh, perhaps you've watched it a little bit later on in the week, um, as you're unable to make it last week, um, but we saw the 12 year old Jesus in Jerusalem celebrating the Passover with his parents. Uh, You'll remember that Jesus was left behind and when they eventually located him, he was in the temple. And his first recorded words then drew us to examine our own hearts. He said, why are you searching for me? And didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I had to be about my father's business. He said, what are you searching for and where are you looking for it? What are you searching for and where are you looking for it? And then Jesus and his family head off to Nazareth and we don't see Jesus again until his ministry begins some 18 years later. And there's a few lovely books and some extracts that I've read around this passage as well, which draw you to cast your minds to imagine what was happening in Jesus' life during those, uh, those years as, uh, that aren't recorded for us as he was learning and growing. And we get a glimpse of that at the end of chapter 2 um, and verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. So Jesus was about his father's business and for these years Where they were in Nazareth, he was learning and growing in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Now, before Jesus begins uh, his ministry, uh, there was something that needed to happen. There was a man called John, a relative of Jesus, who had a heavenly mission to fulfil. That must be quite good on the CV, don't you think? Have a heavenly mission to fulfil. Perhaps we need to think about our own CVs there and and ask the question, do we have a heavenly mission that we need to fulfil? I'll leave that one with you. You see, you'll remember when Mary was told by the angel that she was going to have God's son, Elizabeth, her relative, was also pregnant. So Mary went to see her, and you can see that in Luke chapter 1. So just back a little bit, verse 39 uh, through 45. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb... The baby in her womb leaped. And Elizabeth Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother Why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. I should have worn my glasses this morning as well. (laughs) Teeth, glasses, I feel like this is age-related. Anyway, also I should point out, as it's my brother's birthday today, that currently, at this moment, there are six years between Kev and I. He is far older than I, just in case you wanted to know. Happy birthday, Kev. And we get to see then in these moments that God is paving a way already for this coming Messiah. And as Mary goes to see Elizabeth, the baby inside of Elizabeth leaps in her womb because John is already on mission. How is that possible? I hear you cry. But of course, God had set this in motion that God had set this life in motion, a woman who was unable to bear children is having a child because God has called it into being. And this child is going to be and is already on mission. Now, we've got to fast forward 20 years. That's quite a while, isn't it? Fast forward 20 years or so, and we dive into our passage then that we've got this morning in Luke chapter 3, verse 1 through 18. Let me just read it to you. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, just skip down to uh, just after verse 2, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of words uh, i really should have brought my glasses this morning anyway as it is written in the book of the words of isaiah the prophet a voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare the way for the lord make straight paths for him every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low the crooked road shall become straight the rough way smooth and all people will see god's salvation John said to the crowds coming out to be baptised by him, you brood of vipers. Hi, John. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? With a question mark. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the roots of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowds asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors, even if this was a pantomime, you'd have booed them, never mind. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? And John replied to them, don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. He told them to keep doing their job though, did you notice that? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely be content with your pay. That's what he said to some soldiers. If I'd got my glasses on, I'd be able to see. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. And John answers them all, I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear this threshing uh, threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John extorted the people and proclaimed the news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, And all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we've read your word, as we've begun to look into the word this morning, that you would just speak to us through it. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've got to come together in this way. Father, we thank you that we've been able to lift high the name of Jesus. And Father, as we just look now, we pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. Father, that you would bless us richly this morning. You'd see fit, Lord, to just open up your scriptures to us. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. So listen, John's mission is absolutely clear. He was never in doubt. Even in his mother's womb, he knew that he was to declare the praises of the Lord Jesus who was to come. He was to prepare the way, to make straight the path, to point people to this coming Messiah. The prophet Isaiah told of his mission hundreds of years prior to the event, and we see it just a, just a snippet of it. A voice of one calling in the wilderness: "Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation." You see, John draws his hearers, the Jewish nation, to realize that just because that they are part of God's promises, that they also have a responsibility to behave accordingly. Now, what we must do in 2023 is make sure that these words that John is giving to the Jewish nation here are relevant to us this morning. Now, listen, let me say it again. John draws his hearers... The Jewish nation at this point to realise that just because they are part of God's promises, that they have a responsibility, though, to behave accordingly. Now, listen, in verse seven and verse nine, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptised by him, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? He says this in verse eight, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, because we know that God can do whatever he wants and call people out of stones. In reality, though, the promise through Abraham that we see in Genesis 22, verse 15 through 18, was for all peoples, all nations. And in verse 18 of Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And you might say this morning, have have I been blessed through Abraham and his offspring? And our answer would be, of course, yes, you have, because the Messiah came. Amen? Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ came. So we, of all people, all nations, have been blessed because salvation is... ...has been made available to even you and me. Even us. Non-Jewish descent. You and I. Gentiles, as the Bible would describe us. Non-Jewish. You see, the reality is that as God blessed Abraham and all his offspring were blessed... ...through this one that would come, this Messiah that John is drawing his hearers to know and to understand that we this morning, as his church, are blessed because of that promise to Abraham. You see, the reality is, and we must be careful of this too, the Jews have begun to sit in their promise. They've begun to sit in their promise and not behave like they should behave. Why? Well, because God has selected us so we can sit and bask in that wonder. And why should we do anything? Because we're a chosen people. And I will draw you to what Peter says to us. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart for God. And the challenge to us then is are we sitting in these moments and going, it's okay because I'm saved? I'm okay. And also then, I can do what I want because I'm saved. God says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I can do what I want. Nonsense. In fact, Paul says the love of Christ compels us to live as he's called us to live, to do what he's called us to do, to give our lives of our time, our treasure and our talent because of what Christ has done for us, amen? Oh, I started to preach then for a minute. I felt it It was happening. You see, it's essential for us as the church then that we don't live as the Jewish nation was beginning to do in entitlement. That church, that is such a dangerous word, particularly in the New Testament church. Because we live in the new promise, the new covenant that's in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need to keep bringing sacrifice because Jesus was enough. Amen? I don't need to keep bringing daily, weekly, monthly, yearly sacrifice because the blood of Christ was enough. I have been saved, redeemed. I've been set free. Not because of anything that I could do, but because of what Christ has done for me. And I, if, if I am not careful... I slip into the entitlement, that says God will never leave me nor forsake me. God, I am happy because I am saved, and amen, that is the truth. But I'm also in a position where I know that I want to do what my Saviour has set in my heart, to go out to all the world and preach the gospel, to share the good news of my Saviour, to to give of my time, my treasure, and my talent. And as the church then, praise the Lord, this is what we're doing. We aren't living entitled Hope Church. We're living in a way that says only by grace are we here, amen? But God, else we were on our way to a Christless eternity, but God stepped into the fabric of time and said, I love you enough to give you my precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Jewish nation had got to a point where they were entitled and they felt like they'd earned the right. Oh, it's dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous ground that I've earned the right. And church, this can so easily befall us if we're not careful. This God called me attitude. And we looked at some verses Just Wednesday evening at our Bible study at 7pm, a shameless plug, we'd love you to come along and study the Word with us, chat and discuss. It was fantastic on Wednesday night. We had a great time together. And there were verses in there that pointed to the fact that God has called me, that God has called you as you put your faith and our trust in Him. And we have to be so careful we don't slip into the attitude that God called me. Listen. If anybody in this Jewish nation here had the credential to say that I have been called, that had it on their resume to say that God has set in my heart, John was the man, wasn't he? His CV was plastered with it. That this is who I am. God has selected me to do this work. But listen, John did not do that. Instead, he went about preaching repentance and baptism. And he says this in verse 8 produce faith in keeping with repentance. And verse 9, too, he goes on to say the axe has been laid at the roots of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Just because the tree tells you it's a apple tree if you don't see the evidence of the apples is the tree really an apple tree if the tree never produces an apple was it ever an apple tree you see we have to make sure that what we say what comes out of here is the way that we live amen Amen. that what I do matches up with what I say Because if what I say doesn't match up with the way that I live, then surely the axe is at the root of the tree. Surely, if the fruit isn't being displayed, if the fruit isn't growing, then we ask the question. Is the tree really a fruit tree? You know, James reminds us, and James, you shouldn't have favourite uh, Bible books, I know. The canon of scripture is beyond comprehension phenomenal, but James just does it for me. Mainly because I like a clip round the ear. Anybody else? Just to set me on the straight and narrow again. It's a good read on a Monday morning, just in case you feel like everything's going wrong. Read James and he'll tell you that you really should book your ideas up. And James is fantastic because he reminds us, the church, the importance of our actions. Um, And just turn, if you you will, if you've got your Bibles with you, James chapter 2 and verse 14 through 16. It's faith and deeds, as you might well have expected. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? I'm a Christian. Prove it. What what do you mean? I'm a Christian. Prove it. Can such faith save them? Well, I've read the Bible. So the enemy. Listen, this is real. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? You're cold? I hope you find a coat. As you walk past with one on and one under your arm. you you with me? This is what we're being drawn to. and, And don't feel like I'm having a go at you. I'm making us aware that we don't slip into this if we're not careful. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. And James says, show me your faith without deeds. And I'll show you my faith by what I do. Isn't that just the most staggering line? Show me your faith without deeds. And I'll show you my faith by what I do. Listen, consistency is key. Loving the Lord, serving the Lord daily, putting Him first in everything we do. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You see how James says to us, Look, we've got to wake up. We've got to smell the reality and the truth around about us. And he says then also in uh, verse 18, someone will say, I have faith. Uh, You have faith, sorry, and I have deeds. And James just absolutely cuts through all of that and refreshes the soul when we realise that actually we should be serving God wholeheartedly. And verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Could he be any clearer? Could he be any clearer? Listen, church, we need to make sure that we're living as per our calling, as per our blessing, as per our freedom which we found in Christ. We live in such a way that says, I am saved. We live in such a way that says I was on my way to a Christless eternity and God has set me free through his son, the Lord Jesus. We live in such a way that says he is the Alpha and the Omega. Without him I am nothing. Church, this is how we are called to live. And Galatians 5, as you know full well, you didn't think I wasn't going to go there, you already knew, reminds us that the fruit of the Spirit is... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And the last one I do forget sometimes (laughs) self control, there it is, well done. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. This is the evidence that says, I am who I say I am. You don't need to ask when you walk around church, are you a Christian? God willing, you've already seen it. I've seen the fruit on display. I know that you have to be saved because why else would you be here? Why else would you be serving God? Why else would you be putting him first? Why else would you be singing his praises? Why else would you be studying his word? Why else would you be putting him first in every situation of your life? Why else? Other than we know who we are, And church, you haven't forgotten, we know whose we are. Amen? We know who we are and we know whose we are. Let me just give you this one line. The fruit is evidence of the root. The fruit is evidence of the root. If we are rooted and established in his word, And his promises, then I am certain that the fruit will be on display. You will not need to tell me that you are an apple tree. Because I will see the apples, amen? And that church is how we need to be. That's how we want to be, isn't it? That's the desire of our hearts. We don't live in entitlement. But we live with a thankful heart that says, God, I am yours because of you. Because God is Love. We live for Christ because of Christ. Amen? Amen. So back to the passage, just two seconds. John is on mission. He's preaching repentance and fruitfulness, preparing the way for the Messiah. And my challenge to us is, are we on mission for him? Are we, are you, on mission for him i'm going to pray and then uh barry and abby are going to come up and lead us in worship to close heavenly father we just want to lift high the name of jesus this morning lord we thank you that we are saved because of what you have done for us that you've made a way for each and every one of us that father if we would put our faith and our trust in him if we would say sorry for our sin. That, Lord, you would come into our hearts and you change us from the inside out. And our prayer this morning from this place, Lord God, is that you would help us as your church to live life on mission for you. And, Father, the fruit that we bear day in and day out is evidence of the root. Father, we ask all of these prayers in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.